Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. So you just can't, you just can't talk about the elderly. I mean, you might be able to talk about a baby, you know, in a short amount of time. But when you talk about an elderly that's lived all these years, you've got to just take a lot of time in order to do that. Amen. Experience. Acts chapter number 2 tonight. I want to begin reading with verse number 1. The Bible states these words. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire and it sat up on each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance as the Spirit gave them utterance this is part four in our series tonight I'd like to talk to you this evening about the Spirit filled church the Spirit filled church Amen. Let's ask God to help us this evening, Father. God, bring into, Lord Jesus, captivity every thought. I pray, Lord, this evening, God, of, Lord, the day, God, that have making taken place. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, harness our attention, Lord, in the next little while. Lord, anoint my mind and my lips, God, to be able to speak, Jesus, your word and teach your word. I pray, God, that you're able to help us, Lord Jesus, in this place tonight. God, that we are, Lord Jesus, the church, God, in whom, Lord Jesus, you have deposited, Lord, the earnest, Lord Jesus, God, of that spirit, God, the earnest of our inheritance. I pray, oh, Lord, tonight, God bless your people, Lord, in their understanding. In Jesus' name that I pray, amen and amen. Everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. These are what I hope. These are what I hope. If you've been a part of church life for any period of time, I hope these are familiar verses of Scripture. Amen. And although they are, I don't want us to just skip to Lou, my darling, over them or through them. I didn't just come up here taking the years of my experience of being born in this thing all up. Said, you know what? We'll just we'll just throw this. We'll just shoot from the hip, and we'll. I, I could probably do that. I could probably walk up here with the verses I read to you and teach very easily on 45 minutes without anything up here just because this is, this is the foundation of the church. But I didn't do that. I put just as much study in these verses of Scripture in this chapter as I would any other chapter, amen, to re-familiarize myself with the precepts of God's Word. The Bible says when the day of Pentecost was fully, was fully come, was fully come. Pentecost basically means 50 50 days in particular pass Passover, another feast of the Jews, three major feasts of the Jews, and that was Passover, Tabernacles, and Pentecost. And it being one of these three, interestingly enough, it is not one that is uh, mentioned as a memorial of some event in history. All right, we know Passover was an indication from Exodus 12 of when the children of Israel was delivered from Egyptian bondage and they held the Passover that night when the death angel was to come and go through the land and wherever the blood was not upon the door to go in and kill the firstborn but where the blood of the lamb that they have made uh, was upon the door and the lintel that it would pass on by so there's a memorial to it uh, tabernacles being the festival of booths of whenever they came up out of Egypt as they spent a good portion of their day in little tents or little booths, as you would have it, has a memorial to a historic event, but not necessarily, not necessarily Pentecost. And so Pentecost was always commemorated at the end of the wheat harvest. It was a time in which they would take two loaves and of leavened bread and they would wave them before the Lord, which were symbols of the nations and giving thanks to God for the entire harvest. Two loaves of leaven of leaven bread uh, that was waved before the Lord. Uh, whereas in the Feast of 
Passover, right after that, the Feast of Unleavened Bread was taken where there wasn't to be no leaven. But in this one, there was leaven as nations that were represented before the Lord because as a nation, we are polluted with leaven, quote-unquote, corruption with sin. And there were two loaves in particular highly favorable for New Testament identity and symbolism of being both the Jewish race and everything else that wasn't a Jew that was accounted as a Gentile race. And so we have two loaves that are before uh, the Lord. But there, there is some significance found in that if you were to read Exodus 12, which is uh, the Passover, uh, when it was to take place on what they called now the beginning of the year. So this is the first of the month now to you. It wasn't literally, but it's because of Passover coming out of Egypt. It was though they were to start their life over being out from under the hand of the Egyptians. If you were to read Exodus 12, then read Exodus 19, where they finally came out of Egypt and got to the Mount of God of Mount Sinai, where Moses would climb to there and receive the Ten Commandments. And if you do a little study, it falls within the reign. As a matter of fact, Jews still today believe that uh, Pentecost is the sanctioning or the heralding of the law of God that was committed was given on Mount Sinai because if you do if you do the study between Exodus 12 and Exodus 19 there it comes very close to the 50 because we don't know how many days in reality amen all of this took place we do know uh, a certain aspect and so the Jews believe that that the law was given on Mount Sinai around the time of Pentecost and if that's the case if the Jews are, are right in their study into the scripture then the appearance of God on Sinai in the Old Testament was the birth of the nation the Jewish nation of Israel he had brought them they had went into Israel only being 70 souls the Bible says but whenever they came out they had multiplied and increased so much that they were a nation and they went to Mount Sinai to revere God to worship God and the commandments was given to Moses there on that mount so we have the birth of a Jewish nation if then we fast forward all the way to Acts chapter number 2 on this Pentecost in chapter number 2, back then it was the birth of a Jewish nation. Now it's the birth of a Christian church. It's the birth of the church of the living God. And so with that being said, it marks the day in the Old Testament maybe when the law was given on Sinai. But now in the New Testament, it marks a day when the law is not written up on tablets of stone but it's written upon the fleshly tablets of the heart by the Holy Ghost. Jeremiah spoke of that day in his book, Jeremiah 31 and verse 31. Got a lot of scripture for you tonight. So you look there, turn right down, whatever you wish to do. Jeremiah 31, 31, Jeremiah says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. He said a new covenant, a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt he said this is different than what happened at Sinai this is different from the law this is different from the old covenant this is a new covenant which my covenant they break although I was a husband unto them saith the Lord verse 33 says but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel this new covenant he's talking about this is the covenant that I will make after those days if the Lord I will put my law in their inward parts and write in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people so God says there's a difference between the old covenant and the new covenant the old covenant was written upon literal tablets of stone he said they broke those they couldn't keep those. He said, but I'm going to do a new covenant. And this new covenant, I'm not putting on tables of stone. I'm putting them on tables of flesh. I'm going to write it upon their heart. They're going to be on the inward parts of their lives. And that, in essence, is what took place in Acts chapter number 2. The finger of God, so to speak, was writing his law upon the hearts of men and women by virtue of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so there's this great outpouring of the Spirit that seemed to be purposed for Pentecost because Jesus had already told them, if we review just a little bit from previous weeks, Jesus had already told them, go to Jerusalem, tarry at Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. He spoke to them concerning the promise of the Father. And that was to, and this thing of repentance, remission, sins, he spoke in Luke was going to be preached in his name beginning where at Jerusalem and so this location seemed to be the purposed 
place where the outpouring of the Spirit was to take place on Pentecost. The Bible says when Pentecost was fully come, that phrase fully come means it was to arrive as the timely moment for an event to take place. God had on his calendar for there to be a Pentecost. He had already given direction to his disciples and they, and I think this is important tonight, that they in obedience to the words of the Lord tarried them in Jerusalem, waiting, which we learned last week, to be expecting the promise of the Father, the Spirit of God. They might not have knew all what that entailed, but they knew it was, some, they knew it was something from the Lord. The reason why I say that tonight is this, is because there is other portions of society that says what happened on the day of Pentecost was just for that long day. And it was going to happen regardless what else took place. If you was there in that arena, you was going to be filled with the Spirit regardless whatever took place. There was, they say, no preparation for Pentecost. I beg to differ because Christ Jesus said, that's where I want you. That's the city. That's the place. I want you to expect something to happen. And we see their prayers and we see their Bible reading and we see their worshiping. So to say that it just, it just came upon somebody and they didn't have no, 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 uh, 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 if you will, participation in what took place is a misnomer. They did have participation. They were obedient to the words of God to be where they were that Christ said, that's where I'm going to pour out my spirit. It's not that just some, you know, some Johnny came lately just wandered through the upper room and all of a sudden, man, he was filled with the Spirit. That's not how it worked. Those people knew that's where they needed to be, so they were there because they were obedient to the words of God. And it comes no different today. If you're going to be filled with the Spirit, it's going to be because of obedience to the Word of God and obedience to the Spirit of God. Someone say amen. So these believers did make preparations for its coming. They were expecting it. They were there expecting it. They were obedient to the words of Christ. For that matter, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter number 5 and verse 32, speaking of this endowment of the Holy Ghost, and we are witnesses of these things, and so is, so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. So what the scripture says later in the book of Acts, again, not taking a verse, but the verses of scripture that relate to the Holy Ghost. He says, the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. And so that goes the reason that the Holy Ghost, there is some mode or type of obedience that is involved with being a recipient of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Right. Amen. Right. Yes. There is some type of obedience. He says he gives it to them that obey him. That obey him. Through repentance. Through baptism in Jesus' name. We are walking a road of obedience to the word of God and the scriptures of what he has prescribed. That when you do these things, ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So let's say amen. See, there are others today that says, well, uh, the Holy Ghost was never asked for. You don't have to ask for the Holy Ghost. That's totally contradictory to the Word of God. Amen. I understand it is a gift. Absolutely. And that we must receive it. But the Bible says in Luke 11, verses 9 through 13, And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? And if he ask a fish, will he, give, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? If you know how to give good gifts. And so it's making a comparison here. Then it switches to the Holy Spirit. These are gifts. This is a gift. The Holy Spirit. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them what? That ask Him. That ask Him. Amen. God is not going to put anything on you that you don't want. Here's, here's the thing. You don't have to be afraid about coming to Apostolic Pentecostal Church and catching the Holy Ghost. He ain't going to give it to you if you don't want it. God's a gentleman. He doesn't force himself upon anybody. 
But if you have a desire for it, a hunger for it, the Bible says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. If you have a hunger, if you have a thirst, watch, watch out because you'll just catch it just as much as the common code. You're going to get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. And so they give the Holy Spirit to them who ask it. Now, the Bible says that they were with one accord in one place. The place was important for this inaugural, if you will, of the baptism of the Holy Ghost because that's where Jesus said for them to be in this occasion. But they were to be in one accord. Two words that that is made of, same mind. They were have the same mind. And so they gathered together with the same mind, expectation, and intent. And that was for the endowment of the Spirit. And the Bible says, and suddenly. Everybody say suddenly. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. Go on with verse 3. And there appeared to them cloven tongues like as fire. And it sat upon each of them. The Holy Ghost in this inaugural occasion of it first being poured out into the lives of humanity seemed to come with both visible and audible signs. The Bible says a sudden sound as a rushing mighty wind. As, that's a metaphor. It's a sound that was as a rushing mighty wind. Doesn't necessarily mean there was a literal wind there, but it was as the sound that they heard, that they took in their, with their ears, was as a rushing mighty wind. And it came, the Bible says, from heaven. It also speaks about some visible thing that they saw, that there appeared cloven tongues or divided tongues like as, there it is again, as, this is a metaphor, as fire that, that sat upon each of them. Now here is the controversy today. If speaking, if receiving the baptism of the Spirit should still be associated with speaking in other tongues, then there should still be a sound as a rushing mighty wind and cloven tongues like as fire that sets upon each of them. And so the, 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 the scoffers concerning speaking in tongues being evidence that you've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost are asking this, where is the sound as the wind and where is the cloven tongues appearing that men could see as fire? Is everybody okay? This, everybody say inaugural. This is the inaugural, if you will, occasion of the Spirit in filling the people. And with that being said, these, these simple law being written on tables of stone. In Exodus chapter 19, we have that occurrence of what took place when the law was brought down and had been written upon stone. The Bible says in Exodus 19 and verse 16, And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount, and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the nether part of the mount. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. And Moses went up into this cloud, spent days there, came back with the commandments of the Lord. That was the inaugural address of the law introduced to the children of Israel. And when it was introduced, there was thunderings, there was smoke, there was the sounding of the trumpet. But what was vital, important of all of that was the law that Moses came down with. It's not that every other time then that Moses makes a reference to the law from that point forward, you don't always have smoke. You don't always have a long trumpet. You don't always have lightning that's flashing. Because, they're in, because that was the, the, the inaugural, that was the precedent that was, that was taking place, bringing in the law, something they had never known or never been exposed to before. And so now, whenever the law is given, what is, what is important is obey, you know, uh, uh, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt have no other gods before thee. When we get to the New Testament, where the law is being written upon the hearts of humanity, the first time that this is ever to take place, we have a sound as a rushing mighty wind. And we have cloven tongues appearing to them as fire. But the just of it all is when the day had ended, they had all received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues as the Spirit 
gave them utterance. Now you'll read in Acts 10 and you'll read in Acts 19 and you'll read in other places in Acts where they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and where they spoke with tongues. But there's no sound of wind and there's no appearing of cloven tongues as fire because this isn't the first time that this has ever taken place. Just like it wasn't is someone hearing? Just like it wasn't the first time, the other times the law was spoken beyond Sinai. And so these things are nothing more but an a indication of the availability. Someone say amen. amen. And so we can absolutely receive the Holy Ghost, speak in other tongues without the sound of a wind happening today, and without somebody having to see cloven tongues of fire come down. That does not refute your experience. Just like whenever Christ, even the New Testament, brought up other portions in the Gospels concerning the law, there's no trumpet. It does not refute. That whenever he said different things concerning the Ten Commandments, even the Gospels, that that wasn't truth and that wasn't as it was written. All the way back at Sinai. Is someone understanding what I'm saying here tonight? And so the Bible says, and it said upon each of them it filled all the house where they were sitting on verse number two it filled all the house where they were sitting those that would begin to speak in their tongues i think it's important to note that they were sitting and so for someone to say well you got the only way you receive the holy ghost is if you're standing up or if you're kneeling or if you're on your face or if you're bowed over in a cow position or if you have your left leg up and your right hand in your pocket is a bunch of hoopla amen they were sitting and they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I think as churches, we get in our minds, the only way they can do it is the way that I did it when I received the Holy Ghost. Well, you might have been slap happy on the floor, but somebody else might be standing up. These folks were sitting. Amen. The baptism of the Holy Ghost, no particularly bodily posture is necessary to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, except the submission of your heart. Amen. And so in verse 4, the Bible says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, just as many things in Scripture, the Holy Ghost is called several different things throughout the Word of God. Mm -hmm. In Romans 8, I'm just giving these as reference. I will not read them or we would be here longer than what you already don't want to be here. In Romans 8, verses 10 through 13, the Holy Ghost was called the Spirit of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it was called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So the baptism of the Spirit. In John 3, 5 through 8, it's called a birth. In John 4, 13 and 14, and in John 7, 38 through 39, it's spoken of as living water. In John 14, all times throughout John 14, but verses 15 through 18, particularly it's spoken as the comforter or the paraclete, that which comes along the side. Amen. In Romans 8, 14 through 16, it is called the spirit of adoption. In Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, it's called the seal. It's the seal. It's the earnest of our inheritance, the Bible says. The Holy Ghost in Luke 24, 49 is spoken of as the power from on high. And so you got all these different terminologies concerning the Holy Ghost. People talk about throughout the book of Acts about being filled with the Holy Ghost, about being baptized with the Holy Ghost, about it being poured out. This is all the, I guess, the church lingo. You know, do you want the pouring out? If someone don't know anything, folks, about anything, they're going to look at, what are you talking about, the pouring out of the Holy Ghost? I mean, where's the container at that holds this? You understand what I'm saying? Or receiving the Holy Ghost. Listen, the infilling of the Holy Ghost and the baptism of the Holy Ghost are the same thing. You hear me? They're the same thing. Why? You, what's the big deal, Brother McGee? Because there are others that's trying to tell the world today that being baptized by the Spirit is different from the infilling of the Spirit. And that everybody, regardless of who they are, what they are, if they just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they're filled, they are baptized with the Holy Ghost. But when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, then you are filled to the place that you're overflowing and you may speak in other tongues. I'm here to tell you tonight that baptism in the Holy Ghost and the infilling of the Holy Ghost are one in the same thing. And you can call it baptized or infilled. Either way, when it happens, you shall speak in other tongues as the spirit you just were baptized into or infilled with. Either or, how you want to look at it, gives the utterance. Amen. God's spirit active, actually dwelling in the lives of the people. This is the demarcation here of Acts 2. 
God's spirit had been active from the very beginning of time. Amen. It had been active since the very beginning of time. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And verse 2, And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the... The spirit has been active ever since the beginning of time and before. But it now in Acts 2 becomes active because it's indwelling inside of human flesh. Its activity changes. It's operating actually inside of human flesh. As it was once moving on them and with them, now it's moving and dwelling inside of them. Someone say amen. I like what uh, David Bernard, he said this years and years ago in one of his books. He says, when an empty container is completely submerged, for illustration purposes, when an empty container is, is completely submerged into liquid, it is not only surrounded, but it is also completely filled with the liquid. Uh-huh. I take a picture, I baptize it and submerge it in water, it gets filled with water. Being baptized by the Holy Ghost and filled with the Holy Ghost is one in the same thing. The Bible says in Hebrews 9 and verse 15, And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament. Speaking of Christ Jesus, he is the mediator of the New Testament or covenant. Testament, covenant, synonymous. Amen. Remember what Jeremiah said of a new covenant that was coming. Christ Jesus is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance he said under the first covenant the law the law brought man to identification that he was a sinner but could do nothing else for him push his sins forward for a year yes but it couldn't take care of the sin condition that man was in. And so the transgressions that were under the first covenant, the first testament, left us to the place of realizing that we were sinners. But there was a call upon them. From the old covenant to the new covenant, there's a call upon them that you who now recognize that you are sinners, we, you can also receive the promise of an inter eternal inheritance. How? Because of this mediator. Christ Jesus who is the mediator of the New Testament that by means the Bible says of death look at verse number 16 of Hebrews 9 for where a testament is because the promise of eternal inheritance that I have for my children can't be theirs until I die first and so whenever he died upon a cross Everything that he had promised, everything that he said is yours, every bit of his inheritance that he was going to give to us, it came into action. It became active. It became ours. It became possible. The moment that he... Folks, that's another reason why we've been studying along the way something that they constantly preached about and talked about was the resurrection of Christ from the dead and his death, burial, and the resurrection. Why? Because it's all of that that set in process us being able to be an inheritor of what he had promised us. We would not... Amen? Amen? Say, well, see, the Holy Ghost could not come until he left. He could not ascend, though, until he descended first into the lower parts of the earth. But he couldn't get there until, first of all, somebody buried him. But they couldn't bury him until somebody, amen, put him on a tree. And he couldn't have went on a tree until God first came down in the form of Christ Jesus as a man. It's the story, if you will, of our redemption. The only way I got spirit-filled is because God came down in the form of a man as Jesus Christ, willingly went to a tree. He died by his own will, was buried, went to the lower parts of the earth, ascended on high, and sent back his spirit, and it's living inside of me. Mm. Woo! I feel that same spirit come in here right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Uh-huh. Well. Yalabo Hoshaya Mahaya. 
They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Filled with the Holy Ghost. A new dispensation started. Dispensation of the church. A dispensation of grace. A dispensation of men and women being infilled with the Spirit. Prior to this, law. After this, grace. Prior to this law, after this, the church. A new dispensation had started. And so God now is dealing with humanity in a different way in this dispensation of the church, the dispensation of grace. With that being said, listen to me. Being filled, quote-unquote, being filled with the Holy Ghost before Pentecost was God's Spirit moving on people at a particular time for a particular purpose. Why do you say that? Because the Bible says that John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. That is not, that is not. Infilling John the Baptist was the Spirit of God or it would contradict Scripture. Are you listening to me? It's John being filled, which the word filled many times in the New Testament in the Greek means controlled. John the Baptist was filled or controlled by the Holy Ghost. The reason why he couldn't be filled as we are filled today is because John 7, 38 and 39 tells us so. Speaking of that last day of the feast, he called all men. And the Bible says, And he that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He's alluding to the Holy Ghost. But the parenthetical phrase of verse 39 is, But this spake he of the Spirit, filled in the moment as in Acts 2. Or there would be a grand contradictory in Scripture, and Scripture don't contradict itself. He was controlled. He was, if you will, at a particular time, being the forerunner of Christ, had a particular purpose to herald the coming of one that followed him whose shoes latch he was not worthy to undo with a message of repentance and remission of sins that Jesus would come into the same vein of. He was a heralder, making clear the path, if you will. The high places, the low places, plain. He had a particular purpose God's Spirit was moving upon him, not in him, for that particular role and for that particular purpose. But at and after Pentecost, being filled is synonymous with spirit baptism, the infilling of the Holy Ghost living inside of somebody, living inside of them and still controlling them. Amen. But from a different perspective. Controlling them not as some spirit that is laying something on them as an external force, but an internal force that has control. Amen? The Bible says in verse 4 that they began to speak with other tongues. The word tongues in the Greek means languages. Not gibberish. Hear me. Not gibberish. Actual languages. As the Spirit gave them utterance or ability to enunciate plainly. That's what that word means, utterance, ability to enunciate plainly. They began to speak with other languages as the Spirit that they just received and was baptized with. That infilled them. Gave them the ability to enunciate plainly these other languages they've never been taught. They don't know of their own humanly uh, mindset, but it was a work of the Spirit. It was the work of the Spirit that used their mouth and their tongue as it was completely surrendered unto the Lord. It says began, everybody say began. Began to speak with other tongues. In the Greek language, the word for the word began right there conveys a twofold idea. And that is, here recorded, happened, that this began, it happened for the first time, and that it was afterwards repeated and continued. That this is where it started, but it's not where it ends. So this is not something that's just for Jerusalem. Back in 33 or so, somewhere around there, first century. No, no. This is something that began there. But it hasn't stopped yet. It has not stopped yet. 
And it is as Peter spoke in Acts 2.39 and to you and your children and to those that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And we know from places of Scripture that the call He has made is to everybody. And so it's not just for that locality and that age and that time period and that city and that day. It's for every age, every time period, every day, every race, every nationality. Amen. And anybody that receives it's going to receive it just as the first church received it. They'll be baptized with it and there'll be initial sign or an instantaneous representation that they've had it because they'll speak in tongues as the spirit they just received gives them the ability to do so. Everyone say everyone. I love in John 3 whenever Christ is speaking to Nicodemus and telling him that unless you be born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And he breaks it down. You must be born of the water and of the spirit. I love the scripture because the Lord says must. You can't get around must. That's not an option on a car or a suggestion. That is M-U-S-T capitalized. Must. You must be born again of the water hear me and the spirit and he makes this little analogy for Nicodemus to understand in John 3 8 he said the wind bloweth where it listeth which basically means wants or desires and thou hearest the sound thereof but canst tell where where whence it cometh and whether it goeth he says the wind does this you can hear the sound of the wind he said you can't see the wind he said you can see the the effects of the wind you say, the wind's over there. Why? Because you've seen the effect of the wind, but you couldn't see that air move from my lip over to that tree. You don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. He said it blow up where it wants to. And it says, and whether it goes, he said, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. He said, you can hear the sound of the wind. Well, you can hear the sound of those that have been born of the Spirit as well. But what I always want to underline is this. So, everybody say, is everyone. 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 That includes everybody. He's talking to him about how he can see the kingdom of God. You must be born of water and of spirit. And everybody that's born of the spirit is going to give forth a sound. Everyone. This is not, well, these don't, these don't, it's not necessary here, but it is necessary over here. No. If you receive the spirit, the spirit's going to manifest itself by speaking in other tongues through your vessel. Everyone. Everyone. Amen. So the Bible says in Acts 11, we might not get through this tonight. The Bible says in Acts 11, this follows Acts chapter number 10. We'll get into that some a little later. And listen, folks, if you've been in church for any moment of time, you should be able to tell me what, what's contained in like Acts 2, Acts 8. Acts 10, Acts 19, you should be able to write all those things right off your tongue. And if you don't, please do your pastor a favor and learn it. Amen. You can't tell me what happened in Acts 8 or 19 or 10. You need to be, if you've been in church for 20 years and you can't do it on, you're leaning on a very weak crutch. You need to know your Bible. Yes. And I'm telling you, is this okay, Bishop? You pull my coattail. I would be embarrassed if I've been in church for 20 years and I don't know that. And here's the thing. It's not because it's not been preached or taught. Well, I done went from teaching to pastoring. Isn't it amazing how that happens? Acts 11. So after Acts 10, Cornelius of the Italian band, a Gentile, he and his household received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In Acts 11, here is the apostle brought in before some of the Jews. <clears throat> and the Bible says there in Acts, Acts 11, and I'm just going to turn there. It should also be up there, I think. Thank you, guys. Okay, I thought I had it up there. Acts 11 and verse 15, he's talking to these, these Jews, Peter is, that's kind of challenging him uh, with what happened over there. Some had went with him, part of the circumcision, some of the Jews went with him in Acts chapter number 10. But in Acts 11, those that were not with him are kind of challenging him somewhat. And he says in verse 15, Acts 11, 15, and as I began to speak, he's talking about there at Cornelius' house, as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them. Look what he says though. As on us, 
at the beginning. Now, for everybody that says it was for Jerusalem for that day and for that hour, here we are, time removed, and the Apostle Peter says, it fell on us just like it, it fell on them just like it did us in the beginning. Mm-hmm. He said it fell on us, it fell on them as on us at the beginning. Verse 16, look at this, and this, it, gets in, it gets red letters here. This is exciting. The Bible says, then remembered, Peter says, then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, who said, Christ said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Huh? Now note, again for all those people that says, well, baptism and the Holy Ghost is one thing and then filling of the Holy Ghost is another thing. What happened in Acts 10? They received the Holy Ghost. How did they know they received the Holy Ghost? For they heard them speak with tongues. But Peter says, we got it. They got it just like we got it. And I happen to remember the Lord saying, he would baptize, 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 baptize us with the Spirit. What happened? They were speaking in tongues that people today say can only be the infilling of the Holy Ghost. But Peter says it was the baptism of the Holy Ghost because they're one and the same thing. It's not like a second work of grace and a third work of grace. It's all the work of grace. So he promised the baptism of the Spirit to heaven. So there he is. And a little later, look at it again. Look at it again. The Bible is awesome. Acts chapter 15, it is awesome. In Acts 15, Peter is before the council at Jerusalem. They're batting back and forth this concept of circumcision about whether or not the Gentiles need to be uh, circumcised in order to be saved. That's what it comes down to. An Old Testament, an Old Testament law that brought distinction to the Jews, but now under a new dispensation of the church, there's a circumcision that's made without hands. Be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. In other words, the Jews thought that the Gentiles had to be converted to Judaism by being circumcised in order to be saved Peter was there to tell them what they need is the infilling of the Holy Ghost that's what will save them that is salvation and so the Bible says in Acts 15 and verse number 7 and when there had been much disputing Peter rose up and said unto them men and brethren here we go again Ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Remember, Acts has this, 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 this translation of the field in the beginning that seemingly only for the Jew but we see how that spread into the Gentile world, even to the uttermost of even Rome before it's all said and done. He said, God had, has used me. He's referring back again to Acts 10 where he went to Cornelius because he had that vision. There's a blanket came down with unclean beast on it, came down three times, and the Lord said, what I have cleansed, call thou not unclean. He said, not so, Lord, but the Lord did it three times, and he knew then that the people that showed up at his door that were Gentiles through their measure being unclean that he could go with them to preach the word of the Lord. This is in your Bibles, all right? And so when all this happened, then he says then in verse number eight, and, and, and God which knoweth the hearts, or, or let me back up, I didn't read all of verse number seven. I don't want to skip anything. Men and brethren, you know that a, how a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God which knoweth the hearts bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. Here we go again. The Gentiles didn't receive a different gift of the Spirit than what the Jews received. No. He said, he, even as he did unto us. Look, he even states that. He clarifies that in verse 9. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. He said, there's no difference between the Jew experience in Acts 2 and what the Gentiles experience in Acts chapter number 10. What happened? Both of them were baptized by the Spirit. Both of them spake in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Someone say Amen. See what time it is. Give me 10 more minutes. That's all I'm asking. That ain't going to finish it out. That's just going to get us a little further along. Acts chapter number 8. And I'll read just a few verses of Scripture. 
not all of it, but just a few. Starting verse 14. The Bible says, first of all, Philip has went, Philip has went to Samaria. He started to preach. There's some signs and miracles and wonders that are going and taking place. The Bible says in, in verse number 14, now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon, who was a sorcerer of Samaria, of Samaritan, of Samaria rather, and when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hand the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. Now, something again that you must understand if you read the verses prior to where I read tonight there, there, were, there were unclean spirits that were cast out in Samaria there, there, were, there were signs there were miracles there were wonders all these things they're taking place but those there plainly knew the Samaritans had not received the Holy Ghost it states right there Parenthetically, in verse 16, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them. Now there's demons being cast out. There's miracles happening. But they know by some measure that these guys haven't received the Holy Ghost yet. Now if the Holy Ghost is something that just happens and you have faith that it just happens and trust God that it has happened, then I don't guess they could know whether or not they had or had not received the Holy Ghost. But for some reason, it clearly states that they had not received the Holy Ghost. Now, I wonder what that might be. There was nothing indicating that they had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And yet later, after Peter and John come down and they lay hands on them, the Bible says they received the Holy Ghost. Well, what is the deal? How can they in one hand know when they didn't have it and another hand know when they did have it? These are one of these occurrences in Acts 8. The Bible doesn't tell us they spoke in tongues. There's other occurrences like that in Scripture. Well, then I wonder if it happened. Well, let me tell you something. Just as John said in the closing two verses of the Gospel of John, if all the things that were written that the Lord did the earth would not be able to contain the writings of the signs, miracles, and wonders. I hate to tell you, if we held a Bible that contained all of the occurrences from the beginning of time, the nation of Israel, all about their captivity, the Lord and His Gospels, all through the book of... If we had a... Honey, it'd be bigger than some of those family Bibles you see sitting on people's coffee tables with an inch of dust on them. Well, glory, Amen. What I'm saying is here, we have already had the outpouring of the Spirit. At times it speaks about particularly the infilling of the Holy Ghost. What I'm looking at is this. These people knew when they hadn't received it, and then they knew when they had received it. Something had to indicate the difference between the two. Something had to indicate the difference between the two. And I am just smart enough to believe the Scripture that if when you receive the Holy Ghost, you speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance, then those right here in Acts chapter number 8 did the exact same. Even so much that Simon evidently was able to observe something because the Bible says in verse 18, when Simon saw that through the laying on the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. How did you know, Simon, that the Holy Ghost was given? Something had to take place. And it wasn't Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Man, there's all this love and temperance stuff happening. No, 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 no. That takes maturity. That develops in time. I tell you what happened. It was what happened on the day of Pentecost. It's what happened in Acts chapter number 2. They received the Holy Ghost, and I guarantee you they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. And it's like, boom, ding, ding, ding. 
These have the Holy Ghost. Why? They're doing something they couldn't do by themselves. They're doing something that is a work of the Spirit. I'll close with this. Peter said, repent and be baptized, Acts 2.30. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall, or I say shall, shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What Acts 8 tells us, again, compare Scripture with Scripture. What Acts tells us concerning the Samaritans, the Bible says that they were baptized, but they hadn't received the Holy Ghost. They were baptized, but they hadn't received the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But they had not yet received the Holy Ghost. What that tells me is water baptism cannot automatically bring the Spirit if there is something lacking in my faith and belief. You know, something very powerful, I believe, sealed the deal. Philip, that we see that went to, to the Samaritans. Philip is the one that was ordained back in Acts chapter number 6 when the Grecians were being missed, being fed, and they want to sit, find seven people full of the Holy Ghost that they can do the ministration of the tables so the disciples could still give themselves to the ministry and the Word of God. Philip was a part of them. But whenever Peter came down, all right, John, they were kind of part of that first group of people. And I think there was something awesome for the people. I, this, this is totally just speculation on my part, okay? I'm telling you that. I'll tell you when I'm speculating when I'm in the Word. Totally speculation on my part. I think it helped people, their faith, the Samaritan's faith, whenever it was one of those that had been there at the first occurrence that came. And they were going to lay their hands on them. I think it built their faith in that moment, Brother Terry. Because this is someone that had, was right there when it happened. They'd, because they've done it seemingly they've done what needed to be done they, they, they have not yet received the Holy Ghost and they've been baptized I believe there was something that just a little, some aspect of their faith that needed just to be pushed a little bit over the edge and I think that's what gave it to them that, that helped them I should say along the way but I do believe deciding between when they didn't have it and did have it those who were able to observe this by some measure is because they did it just as it's been done through scripture and we see in other places they spoke in other tongues other tongues other languages stay with me tonight we'll close there and we'll pick back up next week thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter with the username FACMC again that's FACMC thank you and have a blessed day